الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم انما يرسل الله من عباده العلماء وقال الله تعالى في مقام اخر فاسالوا اهل الذكر ان كنتم لا تعلمون سبحان ربك انما الذات اما يصفون وسلاما على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم as all of you know there's a famous hadith that the beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam said al ulama warathatun anbiya that the scholars are the inheritors of the prophets but perhaps more importantly in another hadith the beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam said al ilmu nur that knowledge is a night knowledge is a light is a spiritual light is a radiant light that is meant to penetrate your heart so many times this ayah is recited in fasl talaba innama yakhshallaha min ibadihi al-ulama that verily those who are most fearing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala amongst his servants are the religious scholars and normally the bayan then is given on khashiyat or the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but today I'm not going to speak about the fear I'm not going to speak about khauf e khuda I'm not going to speak about khashiyat e ilahi because if you look at this ayah min ibadihi al-ulama so the first requisite is you make yourself amongst the ibad and those of you who are studying arabic know that min tabiziya in this case that it means from the ibad from the servants of Allah will come forth these ulama who will then be fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the real purpose of studying in adarul ulum is to become the abd or to become the sincere servant the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al ilmu bila amalin mubalun wal amalu bila ilmin dhalalun that knowledge without amal is a wabal is like a travesty and having amal practice without ilm that is the law that is just guidance it leads you astray so what we really need to see is that are we being an abd now what does this mean to be an abd so allah subhanahu said in the quran we ma khalaqtul jinna wa insa illa layabudun that he has not created jinn or humanity except that we worship him so this is the purpose of our life but it doesn't mean that we have to sit and worship allah subhanahu 24 hours a day in the masjid it means you have to view yourself as an abd 24 hours a day you have to carry yourself with the humility of a slave and servant of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala walk like a slave talk like a slave act like a slave think like a slave hold yourself as a slave view yourself as the slave and servant of allah this is what they call ubudiya to servanthood imam al-ghazali rahimahullah in his book ihya al-muddin on the chapter of mahabba writes that there is no greater love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is no greater rank of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than ubudiyah the greatest love you can give to Allah is to be his perfect slave and servant and this is also the greatest sunnah of the beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam this is why in our tashahhud and our salam we say ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu that we testify that the beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam is your abd first and foremost that he is the servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what a sula and that he is his messenger as all of you know none of us can aspire to risala but all of us should aspire to be an abd the way muhammad and mustafa sallallahu alaihi was an abd but how many of us have ever made dua like that that oh allah make me your servant and slave the way prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi was a servant and slave make my salah the way his salah was make my dua the way his dua was make my heart the way his heart was well, the purpose of knowledge is to do amal once some students were sitting in front of Hazrat Mufti Muhammad Shafi Rahmatullahi one of the great scholars of our Akabir ulama Deoban one of the great muftis a true a real mufti a faqih a legal scholar of Pakistan and he asked the students that can you tell me what is ilm what is the definition of knowledge so one student replied ma'rifa to know one student replied idrak to uh, assess or to ascertain one student replied tafakkuh to understand but hazrat shafi he was just quiet the shafi amtai just remained quiet the students realized that they weren't getting the right answer that they were well off the mark so then one of them said oh hazrat why don't you tell us yourself 
So Hazrat Mufti Muhammad Shafi gave an incredible definition of ilm. A standard to which all students of knowledge should check themselves. A standard to which all teachers of knowledge should check themselves. Ilm, knowledge, he said, is that light that when it enters the heart of a believer, it demands that it be practiced upon. This is the definition of ilm and nafi. Ilm wo nur hai jab dil ke andar urtar jaye to wo banda ko bechain rakhe jab tak wo us par amal na kare. Hazrat Mufti Muhammad Shafi'i So knowledge is not just the information we get from the books. There's one thing called ma'lumat and there's one thing called ilm. A person can have lots of ma'lumat, means lots of information, lots of news, lots of facts about fiqh, about different things. But ilm is that nur, that light, that when it enters the heart of a believer, it demands that it be practiced on. So if we want to call ourselves talam ilm, that we are seekers of knowledge, it means we are seekers of that light, seekers of that knowledge, seekers of that practice, seekers of that ubudiyah, seekers of that slavehood and servanthood of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hazrat Sufyan al-Thawri said that if a talam ilm is sincere in his intention, there is nothing better than him on the face of the earth. There is nothing better in the entire earth than a talib ilm who is sincere in his intention. So what should the intention of a talib ilm be? It should be that he only wants to acquire knowledge solely for the sake of the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is narrated about some of our salaf salihin that that's how they used to approach knowledge. That they wanted to do amal on each and everything that they learned, each and every verse of the Qur'an. So much so that in one riwayah it is written that the Salaf Salaf used to sit there and think and ponder Alif 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 Lamim that how can we do Amal on this? That we want to do Amal, we want to practice every single Ayah, how can we do practice on Alif Lamim? That's the approach they took to knowledge. There was a famous Sultan, his name was Nizam al-Mulk. And although he was a political ruler, he had a lot of love for ulama, he had a lot of love for ilm. So he made all these Madaris, all these Dar al-Ulums, called Madaris and Nizamiya, the Nizamiya academies of Baghdad and of different places. So once somebody came to him and said, Oh Nizam al-Mulk, you have made these Dar al-Ulums because you think people are coming there to acquire the deen, people are trying to please Allah. But just go to your Dar al-Ulums and see what the situation is with your student. If you go to one student, he says that I'm here because my father is a big khatib, he's a big orator. And I also want to come here so that when I graduate, I can also become a big khatib. If you go to another student, he'll tell you that I'm here because my father is Qazi. He's a judge, he has a big post, he has a lot of respect in society. So I also want to graduate so that people will call me Qazi. People will call me Mufti. Then go to another person and say, I'm here because my father is Imam of the Jami Masjid in the city. And everybody gives him presents and people respect him. People come to him and ask him to make dua. I'm here because I want to follow my father's footsteps and become imam. So Nizam al-Mulk, he heard these things and he said, no, I'll check for myself. So he went to his madrasa, the one in Baghdad. And he asked one student, then he asked another student and he found that the person was right. That every student he asked seemed to have some worldly motive, some riya, some show, some ostentation, some ujub. Ujub means vanity. I should explain this here. I'll sidetrack a little bit. There are three things. One is ujub, one is kibar, one is takabar. All three are different things. Where will you find the definition of these things in the books of fiqh? There is another science altogether that will teach you what these things are. Kibar means to be arrogant. Kibar means to think of yourself better than other people. And takabar means to act as if you are better than someone else. In other words, kibar means that in your heart that you view yourself as better than other people. And takabar means you actually demonstrate that kibar. For example, if people are in line, you think you're better than them, so you go and cut the line. The other students are getting food, you think you're better than them, so you go to get the food first. So to actively do something because you think you're better than somebody, that's takabar. To think that you're better than somebody in your heart, but don't do anything actively, that's kibar. And ujub, which is in one way the lowest level, but it's the last level that a person removes from their heart. Ujub is vanity, it's self-conceit. 
It means to look at yourself and think how great you are. Instead of praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, to praise yourself. That, oh look, I recite so nicely. Oh look how good my Arabic is. Nobody hears Arabic is like that. Look what a big scholar I am. Look what big work I'm doing. So to notice the ni'mas that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you, but instead of attributing them to Allah, attributing them to yourself, to your skill, to your qabiliyah, instead of looking at maybe what was your qabuliyah. So that is called ujum. So anyway, Nizam al-Mulk found that his students were full of these things. So then he made a niyyah in his heart that this is terrible. That my whole plan has backfired. I'm going to close this madrasa down. As he was walking away from the madrasa, after making this niyyah, he saw one more student sitting on the corner. And he saw that that student was reading. And Allah Ta'ala put it into his heart. that Well, let me go and ask this one last student what he says. So he went to that student and he said, Oh student, why are you here? Soon just looked up and then looked back down and kept reading. Just ignored him. And then he said, Oh student, asked a second time, why are you here? The student looked up again, ignored him and looked back down. And a third time he said, Oh student, do you not know who I am? Right? The founder, the principal, the person who made the madrasa. Oh student, do you not know who I am? I'm asking you, I'm Nizam al-Mulk, I'm asking you why you're here. So he looked up and said, Yes, I know who you are. And now I realize that you won't let me be. So let me answer your question. I'm only here because I realized that I need to live a life that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I did not have the knowledge, I did not know how to live such a life. So I have come here because the knowledge of how to please Allah is in these books. So that's why I'm here. So if you would be so kind, please don't disturb me because I'm busy trying to get that knowledge. So when Nizam al-Mulk saw that there was one student who was still so sincere, he changed his niyyah in his heart he said, no, I will keep this madrasa open. And that student later on became known as the famous Imam al-Ghazali, rahimahullah. That was Imam al-Ghazali. This is a story of his student days. And he later on became one of the most famous professors of the Nizami Academy in Baghdad. So our niyyah, our intention in studying, will be only for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the moment we enter to the moment we leave. And even after that, our entire niyyah, our intention in life is that we are acquiring knowledge only for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there are three things. One is ilm, one is amal, and one is ikhlas. So ilm is the knowledge that is contained in these books. And alhamdulillah, every student of Darul Ulum here is learning that knowledge or intends when he grows older to acquire that knowledge. Ikhlas I've already mentioned, that means sincerity, to believe that you're doing everything for the pleasure of Allah. And amal means, means to practice on your knowledge. But practically speaking, how do we get these things? So practically speaking, ilm you get by entering the Darul Ulum. By studying hard, by working hard, by reading, doing your takrar, doing your mutala. But how is it that you get amal in your heart? Well, for each and everything that we do, we have to look at our akabir, akabir ulama but how is it that they got everything? In fact, we will look even before them that our Salaf Salihin, our big scholars, who are the people of Elm, how did they make themselves people of Amal? So the way they used to make themselves people of Amal was they learned another science, and that is called the science of Tazkiyah, the science of purifying yourself, the science of Tasawwuf. And this is something that our Akabir have done from the beginning. Hazrat Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah, used to keep the company of Abu Hashim Sufi. And he writes, or it's narrated from him, that he said that if it wasn't for Abu Hashim Sufi, Sufyan Asori would not have learned the details of Riyadh. He would have not known what it means to do something for display, and he would have been caught in Riyadh. Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, famous saying about him, Lola sanatan la halakan no'man, that if there were not for two years, no'man, which was the name of Abu Hanifa, he would have been destroyed. Which two years? The two years he spent learning the purification of his heart and soul in the company of Imam Jafar al-Sadiq rahimahullah. Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal rahimahullah used to keep the company of Bishr Hafi. Once his students asked him that, Oh Imam Ahmed, you're such a big scholar, you know so much, why do you go and sit in the feet of this Sufi Bishr Hafi? And he said, listen carefully, he said, my students, I'm a'lim bi kitabillah and he is a'lim billah. 
that I know the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the ma'rifa, the deep knowledge, the deep understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and hence therefore I sit at his feet. Now these are the stories of the early and early generations. Imam Munifa amongst the Tabi'in, Sufyan Athori amongst the Tabi'in, Imam Ahmed ibn Hamla amongst the Tabai Tabi'in. And all of you know that the Sahaba, well, they learned Tazkiyah from the first Muzakki, as is mentioned in the Quran, the four functions of the Prophet. وَيَتْنُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ وَيُؤَلِّمُهُمَ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ So the function of the Prophet was to do Tazkiyah of the Sahaba. And now you got examples from Tabi'in and Tabi'in. So let's bring the story a bit closer to our Akabir Ulama al-Dayuband. Our Akabir Ulama al-Dayuband were so deep in Tasawruf, Ajeeb. And that is a legacy that we have lost today. The Talaba al-Dayuband do not have that attachment to Tasawruf that the Akabir Ulama al-Dayuband did. It wasn't some loose attachment. It wasn't some just take bear with some shaykh and don't do any zikr. They were deep in Tasawruf. Each and every one of them. Hazrat Qasim Nanotri Rahmatallah, Hazrat Shinam Gongohi Rahmatallah, Hazrat Mufti Kifayatul Rahmatallah, Hazrat Shaykh Al-Hin Rahmatallah, Hazrat Ashraf Ali Tanvi Rahmatallah, from the first generation, and then from the next generation, all of them as well. Hazrat Mufti Muhammad Shafi'i, Hazrat Mawlana Muhammad Safran Al Usmani, all of our Akabar Ulama al were very deep in Tasawwuf. Very, very deep. And they used to do lots of zikr. A lot of zikr. And it's a tragedy today that in our dini madaris, in our darlalooms, our talaba and our ulama, we view zikr as something that's optional, something that's nafil. Maybe we take some tasbih and move it in our hands for five minutes and we think we've done zikr. Our akabar ulama al-dayuband were actually akabar awliya al-dayuband. That's another name that they had, another haysiya, another aspect to their reality. Our akabar awliya al-dayuband knew that you have to make zikr a kasir. Because it says in Quran, Ya ayyuhallina amanu thukurullaha dhikran kathira. That you must remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly. Now some people think that you don't have to do this in your student days. So if you read the history of Darul Deoban, in the tarikh of Darul Deoban is written, for the first 40 or 50 years of Deoban, they would not give the son of hadith to a student unless he had spent time in the feet of a shaykh. And Hazrat Shaykh Al-Dismal Zakarirantai writes in one of his books that that talib ilm, who does not get the nur of nisbat, I'll explain that. That talib ilm who does not get the nur of nisbat in his period of studies, he's not a true talib ilm, let alone the ulama who are walking the world. That student of knowledge who does not get the nisbat, the deep relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, such that he feels him in his salah, such that he is able to make zikr for a long period of time. That student of knowledge who does not get this nisbat during the period of his studies, he is not a true talib ilm. Because what else was the purpose of Talib ilm Or what was one of the greatest purposes of Talib ilm So how did our Aqabar ulama al-Dayuban get this? They spent extensive time at the feet of their mashayikh. Not that they used to write a letter once a month. Hazrat Mufti Muhammad Shafirah has written about him that he used to take time out days and go to the Khanqa Tanabhavan. Sit at the feet of Hazrat Ashraf Ali And it was forbidden to discuss any ilmi masail at that time. Only sit in the company of your shaykh or make zikr. That's it. You have no other job. This was our way of Deobandi. So if we think we are Deobandi, then know that Deobandi is not the name of some nisab. It is not the name of some curriculum. It is not the name of a number of books or a set of degrees. The name of being Deobandi is a reality of four things. Number one, our aqaid. Number two, yes, our ilm. Number three, deep tasqiyah and tasawwuf. سیدھی سی بات ہے جو صوفی نہیں وہ دیو بندی نہیں ہم نہیں مان سکتے سو می ون آف دا اکابر علم دیو بند ہو از ناٹ ڈیپ ان تصور سو یو آر ناٹ دیو بندی فلی یو آر ناٹ اے کمپلیٹ دیو بندی انلس یو آر ڈیپ ان تصور انٹل یو ٹیک بیئر ایٹ دا ہینڈز آف اے شیئر آئی ایم اسپیکنگ ٹو یو اوپنلی ٹوڈے اونلی بیکاز آئی کم فرام سو فار اوے اینڈ آئی کین جسٹ رن اوے ان کیس اینی بڈی ایون گیٹس اپ Our Aqabar al-Umayyaban used to take bear at the hands of a shaykh, used to learn the special zikrs that the shaykh Mashaykh used to teach. They used to make that zikr lots and frequently. They used to keep the company of the Mashaykh. And actually the Qubuliyat of Darul Umayyaban is not based on the Nisab. Look, those same books were teaching in Syria. Has Syria produced a Darul Umayyaban? There were Hanafis in Iraq. Look at Iraq today. I'm talking ilmi-wise. 
No, the Kabulit of Darlum Deoban was because of their tasawwuf, because of their ikhlas, because of their tazkiyah, because of their zikr. So if we also want that our institutions be so makbul in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we also will have to become people of zikr. There's a big misunderstanding today among some students of knowledge, some scholars of knowledge, that the sawf is just tasheel akhlaq and ta'akul ma'asi. Tasheel akhlaq means to reform our character, to have good characteristics, and ta'akul ma'asi means to leave sin. There is no doubt about it that these are two very important things of the sharia and the tariqah. That you must leave all the sins that you do, the outer ones and the inner ones, and that you must reform your character and adorn it. But just think for a moment, with a cool heart, that our Akabir Ulama Deoband, Hazrat Mulana Qasim was he involved in Ma'asi that he had to go to Hazrat Hajisa? Was there some deficiency in his ikhla that he had to go to Hazrat Hajisa? Was there some sins that Hazrat Rashidama Gangoy was doing? So it means our Kabir they didn't limit the sawf to those things. They knew that the sawf meant that primarily. And yes, most of the people today won't get beyond that stage. But at least of our Akidah of the sawf, we should acknowledge what it is. That it is much more than just leaving our sins. Although that is certainly the first step and the prerequisite to further progress. But it also means making a lot of dhikr, feeling the qurb of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, getting the ma'rif of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Making yourself, giving yourself a ruhani power. That's what these Akabra Oliya and Deoban had. And they saw that in the Mashaik and that's why they sat at their feet. Nobody can dare to say Hazrat Shaykh al-Hin, Hazrat Tanvi needed to do tasir of their akhlaq. Or they had some ma'asi that they need to do tarkav. They went and made zikr al-kasir to learn this fun. This tasawuf is a fun that is mafku, that is gone in this time. It is a science, it is a discipline that is diminishing. And its importance has diminished, its ahmiyah has diminished from the hearts of the teachers and students. So we should realize now, as students of knowledge, that if we wish to follow in the footsteps of our Akabara Deoband, if we wish to follow in the footsteps of our Akabara Oliyar Deoband, then we must use these means. We must become people of the dhikr. We must take bear at the hands of any shaykh anywhere in the world and learn as long as he is on haq, that he follows the sharia, that he is attached to our ulama Deoband. And we must learn zikr and we must make zikr regularly. Now there was a time when our ulama used to say that for the student of knowledge, he doesn't have to make that much zikr. But that was that student of knowledge who number one used to study all the time. Not like people like you and me who study sometimes, who goof off sometimes, who slack off sometimes, who chat up each other sometimes. No. It meant that student who was truly so deeply engaged in his ilm that he literally didn't have any moment free. And number two, they were students like Hazrat Mufti Shafi. Students like Hazrat Zafar Ahmad Asmani, who didn't have the Ma'asi, who didn't have uh, any bad characteristics. So they didn't need zikr to purify themselves from that first step. But we actually need zikr desperately to purify ourselves of our sins, to prevent us from being angry with our fellow students, to prevent us from having that conceit, that vanity, to prevent us from backbiting our fellow students to help us control our gaze when we go out into the marketplace, we go back into the city. So even if at there might have been a time when there were certain talaba who didn't need to make zikr that much, the need of today's talaba ilm is to do a decent amount of zikr a day. At least 20 to 30 minutes a day. And 20 to 30 minutes really is nothing. And any one of you, if you sit in front of me and tell me what you do for 24 hours, I'll take out, forget 30 minutes, I'll take out 2 to 3 hours that you're wasting that you could use 30 minutes in zikr and spend the other 2 hours even studying even more. But if you think that you can get by without making zikr, if you think you can get by without being attached to a shaykh, and simply do khidmat of the deen in some line, then know that you're not a kamal deobandi, you're not a kamal mu'min. That's what it means. You're not doing your tazkiyah, you're not following the commandment of Allah, uthkru laha zikran kathina. So ilm and tazkiyah are twin wings. So our guide must be strong, we must pursue knowledge, we must do tazkiyah, and number four, we must do khidmat of the deen. And you can do khidmat of the deen in any branch. There is no branch that is superior to another. All of the branches are fine. Some of you, may Allah accept all of you and all of us and myself in the khidmat of the deen. Some people may do khidmat of deen within the elm. They might become teachers, mudarris, professors, mufti, legal scholars. Some of them might do khidmat of deen in the field of tazkiyah. 
They'll teach people zikr. They'll call people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's remembrance. They'll help them overcome their sin. Some people might do khidmat of the deen through tabliq and dawah. Some people might do it through jihad. Some people might do it through humanitarian work. So whichever line Allah Ta'ala accepts you, you should be grateful and you should even beg to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, Allah accepting me for anything. In reality, I'm not worthy to be accepted for any line of work. I'm such a filthy, a najas, a sinning, an impure creature. How can I do work of this noble, this pure, this pristine being? But Allah, out of His rahmah, if He accepts us for anything, then we should be grateful for it and we should not look down at any other branch. We say in Urdu, Ham deen ki khidmat ki tamam shobe ki fazilat ki kaayal hai, kisi ek ki afzaliyat ki kaayal hai. That we believe that all of them have virtue, have reward, will get you the pleasure in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but there's not anyone that is superior than the other. So there should never be a game of one-upmanship amongst talaba, or a game of one-upmanship amongst asatiza or ulama, that you should do this or you should do that. Number two, you should never substitute one of these four for the other. Never think that just because I'm an ilm, I don't need to do tazkiyah. Or because I'm doing khidmat of the deen, I don't need to do tazkiyah. Or because I'm in tabliq, I don't need to do tazkiyah. Or because I'm in tazkiyah, I don't need to do tabliq. Each and everything has its proper place. And all of those of you who are studying the high level books, or you might have come across this definition of zulm, zulm or person is was or shay'i fi ghayri To put something where it doesn't belong. So our Akabir al Dayuban showed us the way that you must have ilm, you must have tasawwuf, and you must have khidmat of the deen. If we're doing some khidmat of the deen, and we put it in place of tasawwuf, we put it in place of tazkiyah, we think we don't need to do tazkiyah in the way our Akabir al Dayuban did it, that's waz o shayfi ghayri mahalli. We're doing zulm on ourselves, we are pressing ourselves. We're putting something where it doesn't belong. That place was slotted for tasawwuf, and we tried to put something else in it. Similarly, if that person who has ilm and practices the sawaf, if he thinks he doesn't need to do khidmat of the deen, he's also wrong. There was a slot where she had to fill, he had to serve the deen in some way. And if he thought that, no, I study my books and I make my zikr, that's enough, he tried to put ilm and the sawaf in that slot, that is also wrong. And this was the iqtidal, this was the balance of our akabat ulama Allah Ta'ala took so many different works from them, and they never complained, they never felt jealous of one another. You tell me, Hazakai Muhammad Tayyibah, who was the principal of Dalam Dilman for so many years. Where is his tafsir? Where are his fatawajah? Where is his hadith commentary? He was happy that Allah accepted him for ihtimam, for intizam, for administrative work. He never felt jealous or envy against any of the people who were doing the work of hadith and fiqh. Alamar Anwar Shah Kashmir, where are his fatawas? He never felt jealous that Allah should take the work of fiqh from me. Hazrat Shinab and Goyra didn't say that, oh, why didn't Allah Ta'ala take the work of the bleak from me? Right, Ma'ala Yas never said that, why didn't Allah Ta'ala make me write so many hadith to Ruhat? Everybody was happy doing whatever line Allah Ta'ala accepted him from. So, this is what I wanted to emphasize to you. But overall, we must understand what our legacy is. Whether it's you want to look at our Akabir Deoban, whether you want to go further back and look at the Tabin and the Tabai Tabin, our legacy means that for us to succeed in our way, we must have ilm, we must have knowledge, we must have formal, proper tasawwuf and tazkiyah, we must do a lot of zikr, we must purify our heart, purify our souls through making zikr on a regular basis, we must have the proper aqaid, and we must then beg Allah to accept us for the khidmat of the deen. We must do khidmat in any way that Allah accepts it for us, and we should never look down on any other branch, or any other person working in any other branch. So now everybody here can just assess their own situation inside their heart, that where their deficiency lies. Which thing has Allah not given them tawfiq to do yet? So think that if we're missing something, don't think that I couldn't do it. Think that why did Allah not give me tawfiq to do it? Right? This is what I'm trying to say, that if somebody doesn't get it for fajr, he shouldn't wonder that, oh, why can't I get up for Fajr? He should think that, why is it that Allah doesn't want to see my face at Fajr? What I have done that has angered my Lord so much, that He doesn't want to accept me in this way. If a person was unsuccessful in doing Khidmat of the Deen, he should think that, Ya Allah, I have my sins, He should make istighfar, He should make tawbah, He should make rujua to Allah, He should uh, make forgiveness through repentance and turn back to Allah, and ask Allah to accept Him, to beg Him to accept Him for the Deen. 
if a person is unable to do his tazkiyah, he should say, Oh Allah, you are the true mazakki. You are the one who purifies. So if you do not hook me up with those people who can purify me, then I will be lost in the state of sin. So Allah Ta'ala, I beg of you to take me out of my state of sin. I beg of you to throw me a rope so that I may grab it. Or rather, I beg of you to give me tawfiq to grab the many ropes that are already out there. I will just conclude then, very briefly inshallah, with the benefits of doing zikr. So that we can understand what is this ni'mah, what is this thing called zikr that I'm trying to emphasize so much today. Hazrat Rashid Ahmad Gangoyi rahmatullahi writes in one of his books that the lubbi lubab, the hasil, the essence, the goal of the zikr azkar of all the silsilas, of all the different ways of zikr, their purpose, their essence is one, and he calls it huzur al presence of the heart, to feel the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your heart. And the different mashayikh have explained this thing in more detail. So just think that Allah said in Quran, Aqimu salat al that establish the salah for my remembrance. So if you're studying the Surah Shashi, if you're studying the Hadith Salihin, the words of the beloved Messenger sallallahu and still in your salah you're unable to think about Allah. And remember everything other than Allah is ghair Allah. If in your salah you're processing thoughts of Rasulullah Shashi, that's also wrong. Akimu salat al-dhikri. So some people don't know that. If we get too deep into our ilm, too deep into our mutala, that we forget Allah, we're as ghafil as the person who's in the shop. So we must remember Allah even in the midst of our studies, in the midst of our tabliq, in the midst of our jihad, in the midst of our da'wah, in the midst of our salah. So anybody can just ask himself that, who of us can say that on the day of judgment we can even offer two rakahs to Allah? That we can say, Ya Allah, we offer these two rakahs exclusively in your remembrance. We do not fail to remember you for even one moment in these two rakahs. Sheikh Ahmed Sirhindi, Rahimahullah, Imam al Rabbani, Mujaddid al Fisani, Itma of our Akabara Awliya Every one of them used to call him Mujaddid al Fisani. Rahmatullah Writes in his maktubat that in the Jannah, if we make it to Jannah, if a person makes it to Jannah and he gets this one ni'mah called the ru'ya, the vision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then how will he see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Will he see him behind veils? Will he see him unveiled in all his resplendent glory? So Shaykh Ahmed Sahindi Ramatullahi writes that every ni'mah in Jannah is based on your amal in the dunya. So Allah said in Quran, Akimu salat al-dhikri, that you were supposed to establish the salah for my remembrance. So if a person has distracting thoughts or thinks about things other than Allah, the more thoughts of other than Allah he has in his salah, the more veils Allah will put between him and his servant in Jannah. So that person who thinks about ghair Allah in his salah, he will see Allah SWT behind veils. That person who purifies himself in this world, works on his salah, works on the quality of his salah. What's the benefit of knowing Kitab al-Salah of Shamiyah if you can't offer two rakahs with zikr? Everything in life only has value if it fulfills its function. So the maqsad of salah is in Quran, Atimah Salat al-Dhikri. If our salah, we don't remember Allah, then our salah is not fulfilling its purpose. Yes, we are fulfilling our fars, may Allah accept it from us. But without the zikr, it's not fulfilling their purpose. So our mashayikh said that this is why you must make extra zikr. Anybody who says that he cannot pray two rakats with remembering Allah, it means he must practice zikr. He must make zikr to improve his salah. It won't help him to pray nafil, right? Some people have this akli, especially talaba, they get these rational questions. So, well, what's the need to do these zikr iskars that the mashayikh taught? Just pray nawafil, just read Quran. So if you can't feel Allah in your first salah, how is praying nafil going to help you? You're just going to pray ten more empty-minded nafil salah. Now, if a person enters Islam, for example, in America, where I come from, if somebody enters Islam and says, I want to start praying immediately, well, yet there is maybe some muscle that you can teach him something small to pray. But if he insists he's just going to keep praying, and he doesn't want to study the masala, we'll say, no. You have to give separate time, study fiqh, learn the masala of salah, so you can create the body of salah. Just like that, you have to give separate time, make zikr, so you can make your heart remember Allah, so you can create the body of your salah. That's why even for the beginner, dhikr is more beneficial than nafam. Because dhikr is that practice, that tool, that exercise, which will breathe into his salah, the ruh or the essence of his salah. 
It's the same thing in Quran. When we read Quran, our hearts are absent. When a man picks up the Quran on Friday and says, I want to read Surah Kaf. So he reads one page, he reads the second page, then he gets tired. Then he quickly flips and sees how many pages he has left. He sticks his finger there as a marker to see how many pages he has left so he knows how quickly he'll be done. So that means there's no zikr when he's reading Quran. Allah Ta'ala said, when you read Quran, listen to it, be silent, لَأَلَّكُمْ تَرْحَمُونَ So that you feel the rahmah of Allah Ta'ala descending upon your heart. So the hif student, the hif teacher, when Quran is being recited day and night around him, and still the rahmah does not come on his heart, it means his heart is dead. He has not woken up his heart, he has not softened his heart through zikr and made it a sponge that it can absorb the rahmah of Allah Ta'ala. Same thing in Quran, Quran has an outer thing, tajweed. Now some student says, I don't want to study tajweed, I'm just going to read Quran, there's more sawab in Quran. We'll say no. You have to sit down and study tajweed separately so that you can bring the body of your Qur'an. And just like that, that same student who had to study tajweed separately to approach the Qur'an, he must make zikr separately to approach the Qur'an and get the rahmah from the Qur'an. So these are the reasons why our Aqabar awliya al-Dayoban used to make so much zikr, used to make zikr kasir. So Hazrat Rashidah Mangangoy Rahmatullahi writes that the essence of the benefit of zikr is huzur al-Kalb, is to have presence of your heart. And there are seven things that come with that. Let me do it now or at Fajr. Okay. The first thing is that a person who makes zikr, the person who gets the huzur al-Kalb, Allah SWT ends all his worries. Allah SWT removes his anxiety, his tension, his stress, his depression, his loneliness, his sadness, his emptiness. Why? Because Allah said in the Quran, Allah That know that only in the remembrance of Allah SWT will the hearts find peace and tranquility. And that's what the whole world wants. The philosophy of the kafir world is do whatever makes you happy, do whatever makes your heart content. So Allah SWT has given even that ni'mah to the Muslims. That ni'mah that the kafir world does each and every sin in the world imaginable to make their hearts content. Allah has said, O believing servants of mine, if you remember me, if you make the dhikr of Allah, you will have peace and serenity in your hearts. So the first benefit of making dhikr is you feel itminan, you feel a tranquility, a happiness, a calmness in your heart. The second benefit is that you increase in your love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is very necessary. Allah said in Quran, that those who believe are extreme in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the more and more you remember Allah, the more and more you think about Allah, the more and more you will increase in your love for Him. <coughs> so that is the second benefit. And the benefit of being in love with Allah is when you love some being, you want to obey your beloved. And you never want to disappoint or disobey or displease your beloved. So if you get the love of Allah in your heart, it will be easy to make ibadah. And it will be difficult for you to make sin. So the way to get the love for Allah in your heart is by making the good. The third thing is that it makes you repent over your sins. Why? Because when you start remembering Allah more and more, then sooner or later the thought will come to you that maybe Allah is looking at me. And surely He says in Quran, فَالْكْرُونِ أَبْكُرْكُمْ That remember me and then I will remember you. So if Allah remembers us, so we'll think, if Allah looks at me and I have all these sins, all of a sudden we'll start feeling regret over our sin. We're feeling remorse over our sin. So then dhikr will lead us to make istighfar and tawbah, will lead us to ask Allah to forgive us for our sin, will make us repent to Allah SWT. So the third benefit of zikr is that it leads you to tawbah. The fourth benefit of zikr is that you learn the reality of the dunya. Because know that everything as life is only understood by its opposite. So you will only truly realize how hakir, how valueless ghairullah is when you begin to remember Allah. The more and more you think about Allah, then you will look at this dunya with the lens of zikr. And then the reality of the dunya will come in front of you. And then it won't just be a story that we hear that, oh, we live here for a few moments and we should prepare for the hereafter. You'll truly view this life as just a few trivial moments that I just have to quickly pass through and even that I'll pass them through with the zikr of Allah. So the fourth benefit of zikr is that you learn the value, uh, you learn that there is no value to the dunya. The fifth benefit of zikr is that you're no longer afraid of death. In fact, some people when they make so much zikr, they're just waiting for death to overcome them. Because there's an Arabic saying that death is but a bridge that unites the lover with his beloved. 
the more and more you remember Allah, the more and more you make zikr of Allah, the more and more you yearn and desire to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the more zikr you make, the less afraid you will be of dying. And the more prepared you will be for that moment when you die. The sixth of the seven benefits of zikr is that you feel the qurb of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is one of the greatest things, one of the greatest blessings of Islam. And if Allah wanted to, He could have just created you and just left you to your own devices. Allah could have said, I have moved on, I have sent the beloved messenger, now you do what you have to do and I'll deal with you on the day of judgment. But no, Allah did not pull back from us. He said, That Allah is with you wherever you may be. He gave you the gift of His companionship. How tragic it is that we don't feel that mayat. How tragic a talib ilm is that he reads these books day and night, but he does not feel, he does not have ihsas, he does not experience, he does not sense the ma'iyat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah is with him wherever, whenever, however he is. Another place Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That I'm closer to you than your carotid artery, than your jugular vein. It means that I'm more intimate with you than your own self. What an incredible gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you and me, we don't want to go anywhere near something that smells. <coughs> if somebody took me to a room and it was dirty, I wouldn't go in. But Allah SWT, He comes close to us, His sinning servants, His filthy servants. He says, I'm even then I'm still closer to you than your own self. If my servants ask of me, tell them, فَإِنِّي قريب, That verily I am close. So how sad that student of knowledge, or how sad is that person of knowledge, that he does not feel the qurb of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with him at all times. And even worse, how sad is that person who doesn't yearn for that. That's the real tragedy. The tragedy is not that we don't feel Allah's qurb. The tragedy is that we don't miss that. That we don't yearn for that. That we don't realize that there's something missing in our life and that we don't strive to make zikr. That's the real tragedy and that's the sign that our hearts are dead. Not that they're sleeping, but that our hearts are dead. And the seventh benefit of zikr is that it puts the ruh, as I mentioned before, it puts the spirit in your ibadah, it puts the spirit in your salah, it puts the spirit in your du'a. A du'a mughal ibadah, that du'a is the essence, the marrow of worship. Now, unless you remember Allah, unless you have a relationship with Allah, you're not going to want to make du'a. You just say, Rabbana, Rabbana, and go like this and you run. You don't make use of du'a, this 24-hour hotline. Allah is just waiting for you to call upon Him, to reach out to Him, to ask Him anything to share your worries with Him, to pour your worries upon Him. Allah is just waiting for that. But only that person who remembers Allah, who makes zikr of Allah, is going to turn to Allah subhanahu in du'a. And I'll conclude with one last ayah. Ajeeb ayah of the Qur'an. I'm concluding, so listen to this ayah carefully. And it's Qur'an. Azimushan. Allah Ta'ala says in Qur'an al-Kareem, وَلَا مَنْ أَغْفَلْنَا قَلْبَهُ أَنْ ذِكْرِنَا that do not follow that person whose heart we have made empty of our remembrance. So if we wish that when we graduate or if we become alim or we're alim, that we become a model for society, that we're able to lead the Muslims from darkness into light, but our hearts are empty of his remembrance, it means Allah SWT himself is commanding the people that don't follow this person. وَلَا مَنْ أَغْفَلْنَا قَلْبَهُ أَنْ ذِكْرِنَا That do not follow that person whose hearts we have made devoid of our remembrance. And another sign in this ayat shows that where do you make dhikr in your kalb? This ayat is dal, is showing that the seat or the function or the place where dhikr is made is the kalb. Allah bi dhikr lahi tatma'inu kulub. Wala tati'man akhfalna kalbahu an dhikrina. Wadkur rambaka fi nafsik. All of these point to an inner dhikr. Rijalunna tulhihum tijaratun wala bay'un an dhikrina. Can't be their tongue, because if they're in bay and tajar, they're using their tongue for bargaining, for buying and selling. There must be something else that is doing the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is the kalb. So unless we practice our heart, make zikr in our heart, work on our heart, make our heart remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, until we do that, we will not taste the pleasure of iman, we will not feel the pleasure of feeling Allah's qurb, we will not feel the pleasure and take full advantage of the ilm that we get. And if you are the close one to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah will even give you ilm from His own self. You will get what they call the waradat ilmiyah. Allah will open up to you, He will open up the secrets of ilm to you. Nothing secret or, or, or magical, it just means that He will give you insight into hadith. Things that may have seemed contradictory to others, 
you will see how they can fit and match with one another. Masail that might have seemed difficult before, you will see how they fit and match. And as Hazrat Shina Magagoyan said, he will make the makruhat sharia your makruhat tabia. That those things that are even slightly disliked by the sharia will become slightly disliked by you because you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much. May Allah ta'ala make us people of zikr, may He make us people of tazkiyah, may He make us people who revive this lost science, make us people who carry the torch of zikr inside of our hearts so that we may be means of guiding other people, so that we may be means who are worthy of carrying this knowledge. Rabbana, Ya Rabb, our Lord, our cherisher, our sustainer, the one who has given us everything from the moment we were born. Malamna Anfusana, we have wronged ourselves, Allah. We have deceived ourselves about you. We have left the way of your remembrance. We have the left away of your zikr. We broke your commands. We broke your rules. We have made so many sins. Allah, we wrong nobody but our own selves. We have fooled no one but our own selves. Ya Allah, if you do not sour your maghfara, your rahmah upon us, if you do not shower your forgiveness and your mercy upon us, then we will be amongst the lost ones. Ya Allah, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for all the sins that we ever did. Forgive us for the sins that we did in the day. Forgive us for the sins that we did at night. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did in open. Forgive us for the sins that we did secretly. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did alone. Forgive us for the sins that we did in the company of others. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we did on ourselves. And forgive us for the sins that we did to others. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we remember that we did. And forgive us for the sins that we've even forgotten that we did them. Ya Allah, forgive us for the sins that we persist to do in the present. Ya Allah, shower your rahmah upon us. And through your mercy, take us out of our sin. Ya Allah, save us from the gatherings of sin. Keep us from the people of sin. Keep us from the friend who invites us to sin. Keep us from the whisperings of shaitan that invite us to sin. Ya Allah, keep us from the people who drag us to sin. Ya Allah, we turn to you in sincere tawbah today. We repent to you from all our sins. And we pledge to you that we will begin to live a life of dhikr and taqwa. That we will remember you at all times. That we will fear you at all times. Ya Allah, we too want to feel your love in our heart. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbaka wa hubba ma yuhibbuk. Oh Allah, we beg of you, please place your love in our heart. We too want to feel the beautiful love for you in our heart and place the love for, the, for your lovers in our heart. We want to love those who love you. Ya Allah, we want to be beloved by those who love you. And Ya Allah, we want to be your beloved. Ya Allah, we ask of you nothing but you. Allahumma inni as'aluka anta. Allahumma inni as'aluka minka. Ya Allah, we ask only of your pleasure. All we want in this world is for you to be pleased with us. Ya Allah, change everything about us and make us in a way that is pleasing to you. Ya Allah, from the tips of our hair to the soles of our feet, transform us in a way that is pleasing to you. Ya Allah, make us follow the sharia and sunnah in each and every way. Ya Allah, if it's difficult for us, if we are lazy, if the nafs and shaitan are obstacles, Ya Allah, help us to overcome that and drag us onto the sharia. Ya Allah, grab us by the forelocks of our hair and drag us onto the sharia and sunnah. Ya Allah, it is better for us that we follow the Sharia and Sunnah in this world. Ya Allah, we do not wish to have your azab in the Day of Judgment. Ya Allah, save us from the azab of the Qabr. Save us from the hisab of the Day of Judgment. And Ya Allah, save us from being embarrassed and from the beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, on that day when our elders will be there, when the Salaf Salihin, the Sahaba, the Tabi'in, the Taba Tabi'in will be there, Ya Allah, they will be standing in the company in the ranks of the Muslims. Ya Allah, how will we show our face on that day? Ya Allah, how we present our amal in front of their amal. Ya Allah, only through your rahmah, only through your mercy will we have any hope on that day. Ya Allah, do not expose our sins before our akabra on that day. Ya wana akabra ulama deoban, wana akabra awliyao deoban, wana mashayahi chistu naksaband. When they're standing before you on that day, Allah, how we show our faces before them. Ya Allah, forgive us for our sins. Ya Allah, do not expose us before our elders. Ya Allah, let us not be a bias in nidama. Let us not be a means of remorse and regret and shame for them. Ya Allah, let them not be ashamed of us on that day. Let them not turn their faces away from us on that day. Ya Allah, the beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that his wives are the Ummahat al-Mu'mineen. 
Ya Allah, no son wishes to be embarrassed in front of his mother. Ya Allah, no son wants his sins to be shown in front of his mother. Ya Allah, on that day when Sayyidina Khadija and Sayyidina Aisha will be flanking the side of the beloved messenger, Ya Allah, do not reveal our sins to everyone to see. Ya Allah, do not expose our sins in front of our mothers. Ya Allah, do not expose our sins in front of our mothers. Ya Allah, we beg of you today. Ya Allah, amongst us there is a buzurg with white hair on his beard. Ya Allah, your beloved messenger Sallallahu said that you take shame in taking the soul of the man who has a white beard. Ya Allah, we ask you to do lodge of his white beard. We ask you in his barakah and his rahmah of his presence, Allah accept our, accept our dua, forgive our sins. Ya Allah, forgive us for our sins in this world. Ya Allah, accept us for the khidmat of your deen. Accept us for the khusul of our ilm. Accept us for the taqwiyat of the ilm. Give us the nisbat, Allah. Ya Allah, we too want to be ahla nisbat. Put your nisbat inside of our hearts. Make us deeply and closely connected to you. Ya Allah, we also want to feel your qurb. We also want to feel your ma'iyah. Ya Allah, how many years will go by before we pray a proper salah? Ya Allah, we want to feel you in our salah. We want to feel you in our sajda. Ya Allah, please give us these ranks as well. Ya Allah, anybody who may be sick, grant him health. Anybody who may be financially worried, grant him risk a halal, tayyib, honest and pure wealth. Ya Allah, anybody who may have any worry, any difficulty, Ya Allah, it is not difficult for you to remove our worries. Ya Allah, you may have billions of servants, but Allah, we only have one you. Allah, we only have one Rabb. Allah, if you do not answer our dua, there is no other place for us to go. Ya Allah, out of your mercy, out of your karam, accept our dua. Ya Allah, accept these young ones who have come here, who have sacrificed their time, who have left their homes, who have left the comfort only to attain your pleasure. Ya Allah, we make the niyyah that we are here only to attain your pleasure. Ya Allah, accept this niyyah from us. Ya Allah, accept us in your path. Ya Allah, we too want to be amongst those who on the day of judgment when they are raised, they will look upon you smiling and you will smile upon them. Ya Allah, we also want you to be pleased with us. Allah Ta'ala, accept this madrasan darlulum. Ya Allah, make this darlulum a shining light of the Quran, Sunnah and Sharia between now and the day of judgment. Ya Allah, fill this darlulum with the talaba, with the students of taqwa. Make amongst us talaba, the people of taqwa. Make it a factory of the muttaqeen. Make it a factory of the muhsineen. Make it a factory of the muslimin and the mu'mineen. Ya Allah, help this darlulum through your ghaybi asbab. Fulfill each and every need and requirement of this darlulum. Ya Allah, save it from those who look on it with envy. Ya Allah, and reward all of those who are involved in helping it in any way. Ya Allah, reward even those who look upon it with a glance of love if they cannot help it in any way. Ya Allah, shower your special protection upon this Dalalum. Ya Allah, reward the asatas of this Dalalum. Reward the bani of this Dalalum. Ya Allah, accept the ikhlas in their heart. Ya Allah, and help them to transfer the nur of iman and the nur of ilm to the talaba. Help them to transfer the nur of taqwa to their talaba. Ya Allah, these young students, they are here with us only for a short time. One day when they leave, only you will be their muhafiz. Ya Allah, we beg of you to preserve their iman. We beg of you to keep them on their ilm. Ya Allah, let us not fall back into jahala after you have given us ilm. Let us not fall back into zalala after you have given us hidayah. Ya Allah, safeguard us and keep us on the straight path and give us the tawfiq to pass away on iman. Rabbana takamal minna innaka anta samiul alim wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawamul rahim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in birahmatika ya arhaman rahimin.